We are raw and real mothers sharing our struggles, triumphs, and everything in between. We are all about being authentic and sharing who we are. None of us have it all together. We know how hard motherhood is. We also know how joyful motherhood is. We're here to grow with you. We're here to empower and support each other. As we share our hearts, we become stronger. Our stories bring us together. The mother heart is within every woman. Hello, and welcome to the Mother Heart Book Club. Every month you get to read a book along with our Mother Heart Circle or tribe and join us for an enlightening and lively discussion. We're excited to have you join us this month to discuss the book, The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. I'm Shirley, and I am your host for tonight's discussion. Joining me for the discussion, and um, will you guys just wave when I say your name? Um, Anna Maria. We have Janessa. Kylie. Rachel. And Tanya. Before we get into the book, I wanted to give a little preface as to why I chose this book. Um, over five years ago, um, I was limping along in life. I had a severe mental breakdown while pregnant with my fifth child and had spent six months faking it to make it. And then some family events happened that triggered an emotional breakdown in my husband as well. One day as I was weighed down with hurt and confusion, I got the Costco magazine in the mail. Splashed across the cover was a picture of Brene Brown, a well-known shame researcher, writer, and teacher with the title, Heartfelt Living, Brene Brown Presents a Path to Wholeness. And I knew in my heart that this was going to help me in a profound way. So this book presents her findings from researching the questions, what is the anatomy of human connection? And how does it work? The results are called the 10 guideposts for wholehearted living. Along with each guidepost, she pairs it with the road roadblock that gets in the way of living that guidepost. I have found a helpful visual aid online that um, I'm, we're going to share with you that, so that you can use it as well, print it off, keep it in your home, that lists the guideposts in one column with the accompanying roadblock in the adjacent column. I placed this on my wall in my bedroom five years ago, and it's been there to this day. A helpful reminder to practice wholeheartedness um, every day for me. When I first began to practice wholeheartedness, I looked at the list and I knew I was living mostly, almost entirely in the right-hand column of road, roadblocks to wholeheartedness. It was extremely discouraging at first, but as I worked to change habits and th my thinking and even made some minor lifestyle changes, I can say now that I live more in the wholehearted column, which is like such a huge accomplishment. So I'm really excited um, to have a discussion with our circle here and for all of you listening to also join us. And sharing your thoughts as well um, and talking about how we can live a wholehearted life um, so I'm going to open up the discussion to all of you here so if you want to unmute yourselves I'm going to ask first the, the first question I'm going to ask is what's something in the book the gifts of imperfection that really resonated with you if it's one of the guideposts or just some other principle that Brene talks about in the book Something that really, um, one of the things that stuck out to me, there's a lot of things that stuck out to me. This book is very, it has a lot of amazing material that you can just dive into and it just go deeper and deeper into it. So um, the idea of practicing love, that it just isn't something you feel or, you know, I just had this feeling I love my husband all the time. No, it's a practice. You practice loving someone and something you make a conscious effort to so that was one thing that stuck out to me. Definitely. I loved how like she kind of makes, there's a science to all of this. 
And the fact that she defines all of these terms, she defines what compassion is, she defines what love is, she defines what shame is, she, de what, she defines what vulnerability is. Um, she puts names and words and definitions to all of these things that kind of are just a lot of times subconscious, just kind of lie below the surface. And I think putting names to things empowers us. Mm -hmm. we can finally start okay this is the issue that I'm dealing with okay now I can move forward it's a diagnosis and then a treatment mm -hmm. lately I've been um, learning about the spectrum of emotions we have way at the lowest end shame and at the highest highest uh, vibration or energy is gratitude and in between all of those emotions and between the far left and the far right are so many other emotions that work up to love and gratitude. And it's been interesting for me as I've been processing some of my own challenges and trials in my life to, like Shirley said, to put words to those emotions because it is empowering when I can put a word to, oh, I'm experiencing the feeling of abandonment right now. And this is what's behind it. And this is why. Then I feel like I have um, a little more understanding. And I'm able to give myself compassion. Because it's not no longer a feeling of just shame. But it's, oh, there behind the shame is the abandonment. Behind the shame is not feeling like I'm enough. And so putting words to those emotions has given me a lot of strength and power to recognize what's happening inside of me so that I can change things in my life to move forward. So, yeah, I agree with that, Shirley. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So one of the things I really like, so I really like this book because uh, just the way she puts it, it really connected with the way I think and the way I um, learn things and stuff. And so, even in the introduction, she was just like laying it out. This is what I'm going to be talking about. And this is why, and this is why it's important. But the whole thing is, it's all about wholehearted living. And I like how you had that poster with that says wholehearted living, because really that's what it's about, right? We want to, we want to be able to throw our hearts into something. We want to live our life and be happy and complete and feel love and belonging. And, um, and I loved her little, um, at the very beginning, she says, wholehearted living is about engaging in our lives from a place of worthiness. It means cultivating the courage, compassion, and connection to wake up in the morning and think, no matter what gets done and how much is left undone, I am enough. It's going to bed at night thinking, yes, I am imperfect and vulnerable and sometimes afraid, but that doesn't change the truth that I'm also brave and worthy of love and belonging. Sorry, this has been close to home because I've been home recently a lot obviously from the coronavirus and I feel like um you know my house is always a mess because my kids are always into everything and um you know I think um everyone has been saying oh yeah my life has been a lot uh more peaceful or calm or slower or whatever but I feel like you know my house has been messier and I feel like I've been busier because you know I'm having to try and teach my kids all the time and I'm trying to keep the house clean and you know and the kids are constantly destroying things and so um but I just love that no matter what I get done it doesn't matter like or what I leave left undone I'm imperfect and that's okay and it doesn't matter because um, I can still enjoy life I can still love my children I can still love my home I can still love who I am because that has nothing to do with uh, with me. Sorry, I don't know. I'm so emotional. <laughs> you are enough, right? That's right. I'm <laughs> enough. It doesn't matter. Right. Right. And and all of the guideposts are do come from a place of worthiness um, and self compassion. And the roadblocks that keep us from from getting there and from achieving that their foundation or I guess their source is shame, right? Of not feeling good enough, not feeling worthy enough. And so, um, yeah, when we start putting words and putting names to these things, we can start working our way away from the shame and towards more self-compassion, healthier connections, 
with those around us and exercising courage in the face of our fears rather than being controlled by our fears that I think fear is also a big one that's in that same category with shame like it we if we can't if we're not putting names to those things they tend to control us just as fear does and so yeah thanks for sharing that Janessa well, you know, just going off of that, that I thought was interesting. She said shame and guilt are different, even though they feel very similar, that they're different in that guilt. If you feel guilty, then you're thinking, I feel bad for doing such and such. Right. So you feel guilty for doing that. Right. But yep. it's the action. It's not who you are. It's the action of what you've done, as opposed to the shame is I feel I'm a bad person because of this situation or I'm, I'm bad. I I'm not worthy or whatever. And what she said was when you feel guilty, yeah, those feelings can actually be um, positive because though they may make you change, right? You feel <laughs> bad for doing something. And so you're like, you know what? I need to apologize or I need to change my actions in the future or whatever. And it actually helps you become better. Whereas um, the, the shame, it actually debilitates you and makes you feel like I can't even, you know, I, I'm just this horrible person. And so it almost makes you self-destruct, right? Because you're, mm -hmm. um, you can't change. Oh, I guess, I don't know. It's just, it's because you're feeling down. You feel this despair that it just is, you know, you end up uh, being worse off because of the shame and the guilt kind of helps you. And I thought, well, that's interesting because, you know, I felt guilty and it feels very similar to shame in my uh, experience. That's how it, they both feel very similar to me. Um, anyway, so I thought that was a really interesting contrast there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, shame doesn't allow us to change. Guilt does. And guilt does come from a place of love, whereas shame doesn't. Yeah. That's cool. I like that. She yeah. talks about shame being... Um, thrives in secrecy. That's something I've definitely learned in my life. Um, so I've learned to speak the shame out loud, either telling someone that I feel a certain way about myself or praying to God about it and talking out loud to him like this, this is the shame I'm feeling or speaking to a therapist about it or something. And then replacing those shameful thoughts with the truth, the positive ones, the things that are actually really real about who I am. Because shame always attacks my character. It tries to attack who I am and the divine person that I am. And it's just not true. It's never true. Mm -hmm. And so the quicker I can bring it to the light and get it out of the darkness, it dissipates and has no more power. And I really, really like that. So. I've found that when I'm in shame, it's really hard for me to move forward. Like I feel stuck and frozen. Mm -hmm. It's either the fight, flight, or freeze response when I'm when I'm in shame. And then when I when it's more of the guilt uh, feeling, it's oh that that was wrong of me. I should try better, do better, apologize. I need to make this situation better. And so I, I'm not quite to that low level of shame where I'm stuck and I don't know what to do and I'm frozen to my bed. So that's the difference for me. That's what I've noticed in my life. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought it was interesting. Just like she says, Oh, where was it? Um, she said, yeah, you name it, you name what you're feeling, right? You name it's, I'm feeling shame about this and you talk about it. Um, you own your story and then you tell your story. And we've talked about stories. This has been something that's interesting to me. We've talked about sharing your story, right? And mm -hmm. when we first began, I was kind of like, well, what does that mean exactly? Like, I have lots of stories I could tell you, you know, <laughs> my whole life is one big long story, right? And, uh, and so as I've been reading this book, it's become more clear to me. Oh, well, it means, experiences that you've had that help you connect with others and help you connect with yourself and you know that have been learning or changing experiences um i really like the story that she shared about uh there was a woman that came to um 
Oh, there was, okay, so there was a bunch of parents, they were at like a recital, and there was one little three-year-old girl that was just bawling because she couldn't see her mom. And the mom gets in there um, after it's all over. She, apparently she'd gotten stuck in traffic, right? And there were some other moms that were kind of, as she was walking by, they, you know, they'd been there 10 minutes beforehand, had their camcorder set up and whatnot, and kind of, you know, gave her some judgmental looks for not being there and, you know, letting their her daughter cry and, you know, uh, not being prepared or whatever. And, you know, you can imagine the shame that she's feeling like, oh, man, I mean, I do that all the time. I'm always late to everything. And I just, the shame, terms, you know, erupt. Um, and so as she passed, one lady said something to her that wasn't very nice about like, oh, well, you know, mother of the year. I don't remember what she said. But then there were other mothers that shared their story. Okay. So as she's walking back, the other one, and she sees her daughter in the back and one a teacher is trying to comfort her. And um, the mothers are like, you know what? I missed the last recital. And it wasn't because I, I was stuck in traffic. I totally forgot it completely. I didn't even remember that we had it, you know? And other women that shared, like, sharing that compassion with her, like, hey, you know what? We've all been there. We've all done it. And it's okay. It's okay that you were imperfect. It's okay. Your daughter's going to survive and you're fine. You know, that doesn't mean anything about what type of mother you are, you know? And so I think that those, that type of sharing your story and helping comfort people when they have that shame come on, that shame storm, um, to just say, hey, guess what? It's okay. I've been there and, and I get it. And we're all imperfect. And, mm -hmm. you know. And I, that's, that was really resonating for me. Like, oh, that's the story. Those are mm -hmm. the stories we yep. need to share in the moment to those people that really need it. So, right. Right. Um, connection. We are all wired as human beings for connection. We need connection. And through our stories, we can connect with one another in saying, yeah, I, I have experience the same kind of feelings you have maybe not the same exact experience but we can definitely sit with somebody in the, those feelings and those emotions with individuals and that and sharing our stories is definitely a way that we can do that so thank you for sharing that story from the book yeah i love how Brene brown said that so just to go along with what you're saying shirley um so love and uh belonging our biological, physiological, genetic DNA needs. Um, it's backed up by science. And we, I think, uh, and our, the way our culture is set up right now, um, really, it really um, supports the opposite of that based on her definitions of what love are and what it means to belong. And she gives examples of, you know, some people think belonging means to, you know, try to fit in or mold into a group um, so that you're accepted, but that's actually the opposite of it. And she's, and one of the things that I really love that she brought up is the importance of if you're really going to live a whole heart of life of willing to be your authentic self. And like we're talking about, share your story with the right people, of course. Um, but it's, it's kind of scary to know because there is always a risk. And she talks about mm -hmm. this in this book and other books that to give and receive love, there's always a risk. And to truly belong and provide that belonging for someone else, there is always a risk. And so it can be scary to want to open up and be your authentic self, but it's really the only real road to true wholehearted living. And I just love that so much. I think it's absolutely important and I've experienced the heartache and the joy of of opening up and being you know finally being willing to be my authentic self because I just couldn't handle you know hiding my truth anymore and trying to mold to what you know I felt or even knew in some instances that people expected of me and willing to change that was was a huge risk but I'm really grateful because now I can be myself and that releases a ton of stress that I don't have to carry anymore. And I think that's half of the wholehearted living 
is we put a ton of baggage on ourselves when we tell ourselves that we are not good enough, that we're not allowed to be who we truly are deep inside, that our, that, you know, if anyone saw our imperfections, that, you know, that we, you know, we wouldn't be worthy of a friendship or X, Y, and Z. But in my opinion, I feel like, you know, those who are ready and also willing to live wholeheartedly are those who will receive um, another person who is being their authentic selves. Right. Thank you, Kylie. Yeah, it's definitely a risk. And I mean, in, on, the, on the surface, it would seem like it would be easier to just be guarded, stay safe, you know, don't share your story so that you can stay safe. But then it per, uh, keeps us from truly experiencing all of the good things in life, all the beautiful things, all of the the positive feelings that we want to feel. If we're trying to avoid <clears throat> um, feeling pain um, by not sharing our stories, we also avoid feeling that true connection with people or um, feeling compassion from others or from ourselves. Um, so anyway, it's, it's worth it in the end, right? Because like for me personally, <laughs> I experienced the other end of it. I had a mental breakdown. So that wasn't worth it. I, I hit a big brick wall and realized, well, I, I can't progress anymore in my life. I can't, I'm not finding joy and happiness by staying on this path. Yeah, it really spoke to me when Brene Brown said, to feel compassion, we must be compassionate with ourselves first. Um, she said, shame cannot survive when we reach out and tell our story. So rather than keeping our story within ourselves and shaming ourselves and being critical and just not being okay with who we are, if we share it with another, it takes the power away from the shame. And that was really incredible for me to realize. Um, and then one last thing that I really enjoyed um, from her writing is when she said, it's hard to practice compassion when we're struggling with our own authenticity or with our worthy or when our worthiness is off balance. So that really spoke to me as well. If we really want to be authentic with other people, we need to try our best to share who we are and we need to try our best to um, bring that worthiness to a balance where we don't feel super shameful for living. We're humans and it's so important to realize that everyone around us is experiencing trials and pain and joy as well. And so as we share who we are, we open um, we open that path and avenue for other people around us to also be authentic. So, so can I ask a clarifying question real quick, Shirley, and others that what your opinion is. So worthiness, I think, in our culture can have a really negative connotation and people can really beat themselves up over not feeling worthy. So how does she define worthiness? Because that word kept coming the whole entire book. And I know how I see worthiness and what the spirit has taught me and what I feel about it. But is there a way she describes it? I know the whole book is aiming towards that. Yeah. But. So if you guys have a better um, thought to share, feel free. Um, but one thing that stuck out to me, and I'm not going to find the quote right now, is she specifically mentioned um, the reality that just in our being, you know, like in our being, we, we have the right to say we are worthy. Like, you know, we are enough just as we are like, mm -hmm. yes, at all the mistakes, all the problems, all the issues, and we're still enough. And that's, I feel like the message that she's trying to get it across. And I think the shame tells us we're not enough because of the mistakes, but the, you know, the courage and the uh, worthiness perspective um, tells us that no matter how many mistakes we make, that's not, that doesn't define us. 
just like Janessa was saying, there's the difference between guilt and shame. We might feel bad for something we do, but it doesn't define who we are and whether we are worthy as a being or not. So I like that. The worth does not change. Yeah. The worthiness does not change because yeah. we are of worth infinitely. Yeah. 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 Our value is always uh, golden. <laughs> well, I liked how she said, you know, we, we get to choose to believe that we are worthy of love. We are worthy of affection and belonging um, because we are being, right? Because we are here, we're human beings. We are worthy of that love because of that, you know, like that's because we're here and we can believe that. And we can also believe that we're imperfect, but we don't have to believe that because we're imperfect, we're inadequate. And, and so I thought that was really cool. Like imperfect does not equal inadequate. Does that make sense? You know, cause a lot of times I think we feel we're inadequate for being a mother. We're inadequate at being, you know, a, a businesswoman or a, whatever else we have going on in life as a, as a wife or um, as a friend or whatever, wherever we feel inadequate as a housekeeper, <laughs> um, we feel inadequate, right? Um, and what she's trying to say is, no, we are imperfect. We leave the dishes in the sink sometimes, but that doesn't mean we're inadequate. And, and we're still worthy of love and belonging despite all of those imperfections that we have. So that was something that I thought was really cool. And, and, you know, it doesn't matter how much we get done or how little we get done in the day or, you know, how big or small our imperfections seem to be. Um, Can I share her definition of love? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so she says love. Um, here's the definition. We cultivate love when we allow our most vulnerable and powerful selves to be deeply seen and known. And when we honor the spiritual connection that grows from that offering with trust, respect, kindness, and affection. Love is not something we give or get. It is something that we nurture and grow. A connection that can only be cultivated between two people when it exists within each one of them. We can only love others as much as we love ourselves. Shame, blame, disrespect, betrayal, and the withholding of affection damage the roots from which love grows. Love can only survive these injuries if they are acknowledged, healed, and rare. I thought that was interesting. She put rare in there. And then belonging. She says, belonging is the innate human desire to be part of something larger than us. Because this yearning is so uh, primal, we often try to acquire it by fitting in and by seeking approval, which are not only hollow substitutes for belonging, but often barriers to it. Because true belonging only happens when we present our authentic, imperfect selves to the world, our sense of belonging can never be greater than our level of self-acceptance. That's a meaty. <laughs> yeah, that is full. <laughs> take that and in. that's what we're can I add just that's what we're trying to do in this group is um, <clears throat> showing our authentic selves so that we can feel that real belonging we're not none of us here are trying to fit in we're just working at being our authentic selves so that we can feel that belonging that is yeah. a wholehearted trait So I wanted to move on just um, now to what, so yeah, this is a really meaty book, even though it's only 130 pages long, um, this is what my copy looks like, it's not very thick, but um, what's something that maybe you have felt challenged by that she talked about? Anybody thought about something that like, oh, I am experiencing barriers to feeling wholehearted in this way? Anybody? Or maybe in the past, if you, well, I, just I know I felt. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead, Rachel. I just had an experience this week, and this is very vulnerable for, and it makes me nervous even thinking about sharing it, but I guess this is what this is all about. <laughs> I've, um, I've, relationships go both ways, right? Like, it takes two people. And 
a lot of times there's disharmony in my relationships. And so when I feel that disconnection, I try to ponder and pray about why is that disconnection there? And what am I responsible for? And my dad, interesting enough, has come up and told me that there's a point in our relationship where he kind of felt like he had to guard his heart and that we kind of kind of separated a little bit and disconnected. And it was eye-opening for me to hear him say that. And so I'm like, okay, I know I've done a lot of healing with things of the past with my dad, but I went to the Lord and I prayed. I'm like, help me to see this through his perspective. Like, what is he seeing and feeling? Why is he feeling this disconnection? And I am too. And it's because our hearts are kind of both closed off. And I, I got really vulnerable and I shared with him like the two things that came to me as to why I felt like we were disconnected and um, just being vulnerable and sharing my heart with him and letting him see what, like how I was feeling and what was inside of me um, allowed me to like that broke that awkward that awkwardness and that disconnection and our hearts came back together. And he even said, I'm sorry that I've had this guard up. I'm going to work on letting it down. And I don't know. It was just a beautiful moment for me and my dad to really like see our hearts together again. And one of the visions I had was um, of him and his whole authentic, healed, perfect self and me in that same place. And then we just come together and we're hugging and it's like, we made it. We did it. We we're here and just being our true authentic selves with each other. And so that's the vision I have when I think about my dad now, it's just, we're both in our whole authentic healed selves and we're connecting. And it feels really, really good to see that now. That's beautiful, Rachel. That just reminds me of letting Christ in, like let his light in. And when you put that person that you have a challenge or some issues with in the light of Christ, it's easier to see who they truly are. And I love that you were able to have a heart to heart and speak openly with your dad like that. That's beautiful, Rachel. And that was one thing I was talking with my husband uh, just tonight at dinner and I was sharing some of the things I'd been learning from the book. And he just was telling me about, you know, in his childhood, um, he he felt a lot of shame, right? Just felt like um, if he didn't measure up, if he wasn't perfect, that that he just, uh, you know, he wasn't good enough, I guess. And so um, so he tried really, really hard to be like the perfect person. He was he worked really, really hard on his self-improvement. But even just the smallest little bit of, you know, somebody judging him or feeling like he wasn't, you know, saying he wasn't enough in some capacity just really devastated him. And um, and so it wasn't until right before he served a mission for the church, uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, um, he really was able to come to Christ. And um, as he was meeting with a church leader to prepare for that, um, he just started. That was, I think, being able to share his authentic self with someone. Like in and and he felt like then as he he shared himself, his authentic self with the Lord, um, he was able to overcome that you know constant shame storms that he was feeling. That just constant feeling of inadequacy, and you know was able to kind of start feeling that he was worthy of love and worthy of, um, you know, belonging and all of these things because of his connection with Christ. And so I like how you mentioned that Anna Maria is just that, you know, that Christ is the healer. And again, and he, um, our connection with him and our belonging to him can help us stop worrying so much about trying to fit in, trying to worry about what other people think of us. Um, and, really connecting with our savior who loves us unconditionally. So anyway, that was his story that he shared with me. So kind of cool. Thanks for bringing that up because my heart is pounding with this thing I'm supposed to share and I really don't want to do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I really feel like just side note, you know how he went to the priesthood leader, the bishop and was starting to talk to him before his mission. And that's, kind of his opportunity that he got to start expressing all that shame that was inside. 
Um, I think a lot of times in the church, just this is really specific, that we, a lot of people feel like they shouldn't go to the talk to the leader, they shouldn't talk to the bishop because they don't think they should or need to or ought to or whatever. And I understand and I empathize with a lot of their feelings. From my experience, it's one of those ways to come closer to Christ because we're letting all that darkness that we've carried around come to the true light of Christ. Like the person that's representing him, we're taking it out of the darkness into the light. We're saying it out loud and we're letting that all that shame go. And it's part of just starting that healing process, that healing journey. And so it's not that we just have to go tell someone what we've done wrong. It's more like God's process of helping us truly heal and come to our, come to our true authentic self. So I just wanted to share that. Uh, Rachel, that goes right back to what uh, Brene has been saying about, um, about shame and how we need to, you know, share it. And when we share it, it kind of um, it erases the shame, essentially. Uh, and that's the only way. And th- that was hard for her because she wasn't naturally that kind of person. Um, she she talks about how she was everything. She was the opposite of everything she was learning she needed to be in order to live a wholehearted life. And so she had a lot of breakdowns, you know, discovering that she was going to need to make a lot of changes in her life. Um, well, that she wanted to make a lot of changes because she wanted this um, whole, whole hearted life. And there was one. Okay, she she says shame needs three things to grow out of control in our lives: secrecy, silence, and judgment. Mm-hmm. So, well, I thought it was interesting. She talks about that you when you share it, right, to help get rid of that shame you need to share it, right? But she said, don't just share it with anybody. There are certain people that you should share it with and certain people that you shouldn't share it with. And she has a whole list of, I think, like six things. I I wrote them down somewhere. But, you know, I thought it was interesting. Like if, if there's somebody that's looking up to you and, you know, needs you to be the strong one, then you probably don't want to share a, a story like that with them because it could damage, you know, their little... Uh, bit of I don't know self-confidence that they're holding on because of you you know or someone who's going to feel shame for you then you're like oh now I have to comfort you and me (laughs) you know um also somebody who is going to judge you obviously or um you know I don't there was a a number of other things yeah there's the right person for the right situation for you know the right time and so find that person for that shame so you know she says um oh when her storm starts to come up that she thinks of the person that she needs to talk to in the moment and she calls them and shares those feelings with them and they just listen and empathize with her and allow her to just feel that shame and then she can let it go and so yeah i think that the more we are secret about it or hold on to it or, you know, then we beat ourselves with it rather than just sharing with somebody and being able to just, okay, I made a mistake and it was dumb and I did poorly at this and whatever. It's okay. I can, I, I shared it with you and now I can let it go, you know? Right. Um, can I add to that? I just found the page that you were talking about. Um, she says that um, you need to find someone that you can count on to practice compassion. So you need to find somebody who's willing to exercise compassion towards you. Um, and she also says, we need someone who is deeply rooted, able to bend, and most of all, we need someone who embraces us for our strengths and struggles. And mm-hmm. so they're able to see you know, more of the, the whole picture of us and, and love us. Well, I think I think that also they, you know, if they if they're struggling with shame of their own, then they won't be able to share that compassion. If they have a hard time being compassionate to themselves and they struggle with shame feelings, then they might not be the the best person to share it to because they they can't, you know, empathize with you because they're, you know, basically taking on your shame. So, you know, I, I it's. 
it's important to choose wisely who you share that with. I loved how she said, you know, she felt like she had to be perfect for her younger siblings. She was that, that person that was the stalwart and always had it together for them. And then when she finally reached out and, and started sharing, being vulnerable with her younger siblings, um, her relationship with them has just been so much better. And they really bonded because she's called them and said, hey, you know, I'm struggling with this. Can I just tell you with her younger sister, her younger brothers? And that's been huge. I love how she clarifies that compassion and empathy isn't just, you know, being like, oh, oh, I'm so sorry you experienced that. That's, I, man, I have, that must be like, I don't know, just like, wow, I'm sorry you have a bad life. Like that sucks. I, I have no idea what that's like, or like, man, I would never want to be in your shoes or something. It's someone, it's someone who goes and says, oh my goodness. Oh, I totally get it. Like I have been there done that it sucks so bad oh my gosh I can totally relate to how you feel man let's just sit in this feeling for a little bit and let me just give you a hug because I know what you're going through right now and she's she said that's the kind of person she looks for to share her shame with when she's having a shame bath yeah, yeah. can I, I share a story you, oh yeah go ahead Shirley <laughs> really quick okay go ahead Janessa Sorry, at the very end, she just says, don't share it with someone who's going to one-up you. Um, you know, like, well, if you think that's bad, then let me tell you what happened to me, you know. And I was like, oh, I think I've done that plenty of times. <laughs> so that's one thing just to caution yourself. When you're trying to be empathetic, try not to one-up them either, you know. Like, just listen to them and you know, empathize, but, yeah. or, you know, or the one who's like, Oh, you're exaggerating. It's not really that bad. You're, you're oh, fine. Right. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Right. Sorry. So go ahead now, Shirley. Okay. Yeah. So I wanted to share one example of a way or something. One of the guideposts that I was struggling with earlier this week. Um, so I was in the process of reading this book to prepare for this podcast and I had gotten on social media and I was reading through social media and I read about um, a, a neighbor of mine, a woman who did this amazing service project. And I was like, wow, that's so amazing. You know, I, I could never do that. And then I was, you know, scrolling through social media some more. And there was another woman I knew who was like, she was interviewed on a podcast and I was like, wow, she has some amazing things to say. I don't know. I could never be like her or whatever. And then, you know, there was another person who, um, try to remember who it was, but anyway, there was a third person. Oh, another neighbor of mine who like, she organized this workout group at the park and she set up all these rules so that there was social distancing and everything. And I was like, wow, that's like a huge undertaking. That's amazing. Like I could never do that. And then I started to feel really insignificant. I started to feel some shame. And ironically, I was like in the process of preparing for this podcast. So anyway, my husband came in and I was like, so yes, this is the first thing I did to fight the shame was I, I told my husband how I was feeling. He's like, you're comparing yourself to them. And that is the roadblock of guidepost number six. Comparison is a roadblock to creativity. Okay. Each of these women that I saw who were doing amazing things, they were being their authentic selves and using their gifts, the things that they're excited about doing to do something unique. They were bringing something unique to the world that's uniquely theirs. And I thought, what? Okay, so am I. <laughs> Look what I'm doing. I'm doing something, you know, that I think is really cool too. And anybody can do that. If you just get rid of the shame and exercise, you know, self-compassion and um, self-love and that, that worthiness. So anyway, that's just an example of how um, I was struggling with um, comparison ironically while I'm preparing for this podcast and to host it and everything. So that's why I like having the, the chart 
just a little poster to put up. Um, I have it over here by my bed. So when I'm just sitting on my bed or lying on my bed contemplating, you know, how did my day go or whatever, like I can look at or or if there's something that feels off, like just I don't know how I feel like what is going on? I can kind of just scroll through the list and and it, I can pinpoint which area that I'm struggling with. Um, so super helpful. Any other thoughts anyone wanted to add as far as like any of the guideposts or the roadblocks anyone wanted to talk about? Um, one thing that I wanted to say, sorry, I'm talking a lot, but I was just thinking about, um, I really love to be your authentic self is to open yourself up and allow people to see your imperfect self. Right. Um, and mm -hmm. the thing that, that, counteracts that is um worrying too much about what other people think of you right um it's like when because you can't control how other people see you you can't control their perception of you right you can try your best to do everything perfect that was another thing the perfectionism um section was really interesting because i hadn't really ever thought about perfectionism mm -hmm. and i had never thought of myself as a perfectionist um, but wow, I, I, I just realized that so many of us really struggle with this because we're trying to fit in because we're trying to look a certain way so that people don't judge us. So they perceive us a certain way. Right. But we can never, we can never like change how people perceive us no. really. Right. They get to choose how they perceive us, but we can choose to, to, see ourselves right and to uh be authentic for ourselves right um so it's more about okay i know who i am and i know what i stand for and i know you know that i'm okay that i'm a, a great person just the way i am that i'm worthy and so it really doesn't matter what they think of me because i know what i think of me and i know what the lord thinks of me i add that um and so um and so our shame, you know, storms or whatever are not going to rage as much because if we're more worried about being our authentic selves and showing up in the way that um, is authentic to us rather than worrying so much about what other people think about us, if that makes sense. I really like how Jody Moore, she um, loved listening to her podcast um, and she talked about like, I give other people permission to uh to be wrong about me to be wrong about me that thinking negatively about me but i also give them permission to be wrong about me and thinking i'm this perfect person that i may not be right and i give them permission they can think of me however they want because i'm okay with who i am and i know who i am and so that's good enough does that make sense <laughs> anyway yeah i love that i think it's important that we do some personal work to to be grounded in ourselves, to know who we are and to know our truth and our stories. And I would like to encourage our listeners, if you haven't done that before, to start in some way, whether it be through journaling or talking to a trusted friend or through prayer and meditation, to find ways to, yeah, come to um, learn more about who you are, who your soul what your soul is. And I know, well, this book has really helped me in discovering that as well. I have Does one. Anyone else have any? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. More thing to add. Um, recently, I've learned that rather than focusing on the weaknesses that we perceive in us as imperfect human beings, we need to focus on. So, Brene Brown gives us those guideposts like um, gratitude. What is it? The God the guideposts of gratitude and the challenge is usually scarcity and darkness mm -hmm. rather than mm -hmm. focusing on the scarcity and the darkness focus on the gratitude because that is what will heal those challenges that you're going through and facing and, and feeling in your, in yourself. So I thought that was interesting that we don't need to necessarily focus on all the negative things that come with, um, those guideposts, but focus on the positive thing. Focus on expressing gratitude and writing in a gratitude journal or 
finding good all around you. And that will in itself automatically push the dark away. So I love that. We've been given um, imagery and vision and insight, like seeing with our mind's eye. Um, That's what I do a lot to put my thoughts and my emotions and my feelings like to the higher place is I see it. I see some kind of vision. I see an interaction. I, I use my vision and does that make sense to create those kind of um, experiences to, for like more gratitude or more joy? I see it as if it already existed. The good already existed. It already was. I see it in my mind and I think about it like that. I love that. And I love how this book, yeah, it has names for all of those things that we're struggling with. And that's why I liked the chart, because then I could be like, oh, okay, there's the name. I named it. Now it's come to the surface. And now I can focus on the guidepost, the thing that will help me be more wholehearted. So once I can see the roadblock for what it is, then I can get around it (laughs) to being wholehearted, to be more loving and compassionate. Can I just ask what the roadblock to connection is? I don't think it's an actual guidepost, right? The connection isn't, or is it? I think it's an overall well, concept. It talks about shame being okay. one of those roadblocks yeah. to connection. Shame and, and so, fear. and uh, shame and fear and unwillingness to be a vul- um, vulnerable inauthenticity. All of those. All of those you know, main thing she talks about, um, they'll interfere with connection. And she speaks about, so I love, she says, be compassion becomes real when we recognize our shared humanity. And that's, and she also says only when we know our own darkness, well, can we be present with the darkness of others? And that's how we connect. We can only connect when we come to understand, you know, we have to, and, in a way, I don't want to say embrace like, oh, I just love that I, you know, make a big mess of my room or whatever. But like, but just be like, this is okay. It's okay. This is where I'm at. And, and it's great. Like, I, I mean, it's fine. It's okay for me to be here. And it's okay for me. I don't have to hide that. I don't have to be secretive about what, you know, weaknesses I have. It's It's okay for me to share them. And I think that's the only way for true connection to happen is, is what she says. And in all of her research and all of her studies, you know, she, she spent 12 years interviewing people who lived wholeheartedly and just was reminded every single time that this was, this was a requirement for true connection and true wholehearted living was, you know, to be authentic, to, to love through action, to be vulnerable to share your truth, to share your story, to share, you know, the ugly and the good and to be aware of, of what that is inside of you, what's happening inside of you. And then that begets compassion as well. She also says compassion is not a relationship between the healer and the wounded. It's a relationship between equals. I love that. Yeah. When I was, Oh, go ahead, Charlene. Oh yeah. She says at the, at the very end of her book, that in the process of collecting data to answer her questions about the anatomy of human connection and how does it work, she ran into this thing called shame. She took a little detour, and that took about 10 years. No, <laughs> eight years. Sorry, eight years of studying shame to help her understand what true connection really is. So, yeah, I would say shame would be the opposite. Yeah. So when I read this book, I really thought about our mother heart circle group on Facebook and how we connected, started connecting with all of these women from all over the world. And it's been really exciting for me. It's been energizing. It's given me a place to share like the deepest thoughts of my heart. And I feel like there's so many like-minded people on that group, the mother heart circle. I just really hope that we can create this safe place for people to feel like they can open up, share and be authentic and where we can show each other compassion. And I just love that whole idea. So I think we're making that happen in the mother heart circle. And I hope all of you feel safe there. Or if you're not there on Facebook, you can join us. 
Right. And I would like to look at it as kind of an experiment as well, because I know that none of us are perfect at this. We're all learning and we're trying. And so, yeah, we might be making mistakes with it, but we're trying. This is an opportunity to try. And maybe we might mess up, but know that our hearts are in the right place. Like we're trying to, yeah, be wholehearted, trying to accept and love and, and like share that belonging, share it, share that feeling of true connection and belonging with, with our larger, our larger group of women. <laughs> Tanya? Did you yeah, Tanya, would you like to add some thoughts before we end? Yeah, so I've been running, doing mom duty for a little while and just listening in. But um, I think that one thing that I've learned lately, I mean, it's a little bit off track from the book, but I think it fits in really well, is just the idea of compassion and love in action. And that compassion is that courage that helps us to face the darkness, face the darkness in ourselves and in others. And um, just with the intention to alleviate and prevent suffering. And um, we have to have that courage in order to face shame, and which is compassion to me. So I don't have anything profound to add, but as I was listening, that was the thing that I kept thinking about is like, I just love the idea of compassion as courage and a commitment to help alleviate suffering for ourselves and for others. And when I think of worthiness, I think of willingness, and that takes courage too. It takes a lot of courage to look inside. It takes a lot of courage to walk this path of wholeheartedness, but it definitely is worthwhile to find your true authentic self and share it with everyone. Right. I know we need to wrap up. We're talking about courage, and I wanted to share real quick the four um, things that. that all of these people that she interviewed over the course of 12 years, that each of them had the, the thing that showed their courage and what she calls um, shame resilience. And the four elements were one, they understand shame and recognize what messages and expectations trigger shame for them. Two, they practice critical awareness by reality checking the messages and expectations that tell us that being imperfect means being inadequate. So they're recognizing basically when the false beliefs are showing up for them or when those feelings of shame come up and they're practicing that awareness. Three, they reach out and share their stories with people they trust. And four, they speak shame. They use the word shame. They talk about how they're feeling and they ask for what they need. These are people who are really happy, who've like figured out how to like just really live a good, joyful, wholehearted life. And I just think that's so cool. Yeah. And um, it doesn't mean that fear goes away when you're doing any of those things. You are facing fear. And she talks about that too. Like you are facing fear, but you're not letting it control you. You are, you are exercising courage in the face of fear. Um, So yeah, like anybody who's living wholeheartedly is not devoid of fear at all. And as I practice some of these like things, like, yeah, for example, reaching out, asking for help. Oh, sometimes that petrifies me asking for just simple things because of what the reaction might be. You know, I might get hurt pretty badly if I ask for help. I, you know, do I really want to risk this? But, but yeah, as we exercise, um, I guess, trusting faith and maybe asking God to help us and maybe asking the person that we're asking for help from or asking for compassion from to have their hearts softened, to, ha- to open their hearts to, to receive and to offer that love back that we all desperately need and want in our lives. So um, I guess we'll finish up now. Um, So thank you all for joining us for this beautiful discussion on wholehearted living. It's been, I think, a really wonderful discussion that we've had tonight. Um, We'd love for our listeners to connect with us and hear what you thought of our discussion and some things maybe you've learned from Brene Brown's book. Um, Please follow us at Motherheart on Facebook, Instagram, on our website at motherheart.life, as well as on our podcast platforms. 
and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for joining our Mother Heart Circle. Please send us your thoughts, inspiration, experiences, and stories. Your voice is important. Your wisdom and your hearts are needed. We believe in you, we love you, and thank you for being you.